Welcome to another edition of the Born in 87 podcast. We are really excited to share today's episode with you. So in the past on this podcast, we have alluded to the fact that before launching the Born in 87 podcast, we did some practice pods in order to get some reps. And one of those practice pods was recorded back in March. Adam, you want to tell the listeners what we did on this pod back in March? Well, there's this wonderful episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that focuses in depth on the New York Jets and how the New York Jets particularly just ruin <laughs> people's lives. And it was maybe one of our favorite episodes of Curbs, and we felt absolutely compelled to do a deep dive into this episode um, and connect it to um, our experience as Jet fans. And uh, we loved it. We thought it was our best like practice pod, and we've just been holding it, waiting for a good news week to... Uh, to release it. As, as you know, Justin, there's nothing going on in the country right now. Oh, no. This is the perfect time to release the podcast. <laughs> First week of November, what better time? Uh, and, and on top of but that. Honestly, people are probably so overwhelmed with everything, like, no matter what your political beliefs, I, I, you probably just want a break. And we think this podcast will be a really nice break from everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a fan of the show Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know it's a funny show. Uh, so we, we had a lot of fun with this. We had some laughs. And. As you said, it was the perfect week to release it. Uh, all the Jets topics have been beaten into the ground, whether it's uh, their bad play on the field or whether or not Trevor Lawrence is going to come out, uh, Adam Gase's bad coaching. It's just there's nothing else to really talk about there. You don't there. have anything to add. Yeah. The other reason we really wanted to release it this week as well is, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't uh, seen this Curb episode yet. By the way, this was... Season 10, Episode 7 of Curb, uh, the episode was called The Ugly Section. You can watch it currently on HBO Max. And the player heavily featured, at least by name, in this episode is Le'Veon Bell, which is kind of ironic because now we're halfway through this 2020 Jets season. Le'Veon Bell is no longer on the team, and not only is he no longer on the team, his new team, the Kansas City Chiefs, just pummeled the Jets last week. So... For all these reasons... Perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. Uh, before we get to uh, what we recorded back in March, we did want to quickly mention that, yeah, something really big happened with one of our teams last week. Uh, maybe one of the most monumental things to ever happen, uh, what we're referring to, obviously, is that Steve Cohen purchased the Mets from the Wilpons. It, it's a done deal. Uh, there was, you know, a, a minute there where it seemed like New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio might block it. That didn't end up happening. Uh, we're insanely excited about this, but uh, we are going, and moving forward, I think our next couple of pods, we're going to do a lot of Mets stuff, including looking backwards at how the Wilpons and also looking forward at what we think uh, Cohen could do with the Mets, right? We're going to go back and forward. Yeah, 100%. So don't worry, uh, fans out there, you're, you're going to get plenty of Mets and Steve Cohen discussion. Uh, and that a lot of that will start next week. Uh, as you heard on last week's pod, we did part one of our crossover podcast series with the end of the bench show. That podcast appeared on our Born in 87 podcast feed. Next week, we are going to be talking Mets with the end of the bench guys exclusively on their feed, the end of the bench show. Uh, so now that uh, we've let the fans know, we are going to be talking Mets in the near future. I, unless you have something else to add, Adam, I think we should let them hear what we recorded back in March, and that's our review of this epic, jet-centric, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, The Ugly Section. Just last warning, there will be spoilers. So if you don't want to know what's going to happen, you know, hit pause, watch the episode, and then listen to us, because we're not going to hold back. All right. Uh, enjoy our review of the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, The Ugly Section. We're going to break down... Last Sunday night's episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm called The Ugly Section. Uh, this is season 10, episode 7, the 97th installment of the legendary series. And it's unbelievable. But after t 10 seasons and 20 years, Larry David just still throwing out, throwing flames and just putting out just an absolutely incredible all-time Pantheon episode. Of Curb Your well, Enthusiasm I, last week. I think we should state at the get-go that our mission is not to like review the episode or like analyze it because we're not TV critics. What we are are people who have grown to be just absolutely morally 
like devastated by our three, you know, sports teams. So we're going to talk about this episode in the context of the Jets, the Knicks, and the Mets. I think that's fair to say. And that is relevant because the New York Jets were a very, very integral part of the ugly section. And, and a little bit the Knicks. And a little bit the Knicks. Um, so uh, let, let's get into it. So in this episode, the episode begins with uh, Larry, Jeff, and uh, Jerry Lewis. Um, they, uh, they're playing golf, and uh, it's Larry and Jeff versus Jerry and some guy named Carl. Uh, Which... If you're a Star Trek fan, you should immediately be concerned because whenever someone like random and new is thrown in and a, a member of a team, they're probably going to die, which which ended up being true for for Carl. Yeah, which isn't I mean, which isn't always something we've seen in Curb Your Enthusiasm, but was uh, part of it this week. So he definitely had to wonder why this random dude was just suddenly playing golf with these three characters who've been around since the beginning. That's a fair point. We've, we've seen these other characters for 20 years, and now all of a sudden they have this great friend, Carl, who they play golf Carl, with, apparently, all the great, time. They're, they're great friend, right. My friend, Carl, my good friend, Carl, who, you know, always around. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, so, um, so after they play golf, uh, they go out to uh, eat at a restaurant, and uh, they're, you know, they're, let's just say um, they're having guy talk, and then guy all talk. of a sudden... Like, Carl this is a family-friendly podcast, Justin. Yes, a very yes, a family-friendly podcast. Um, and Carl gets gets an alert on his phone. Um, do you want to th- do you want to theorize? You think this was what Bleacher Report, Yahoo, ESPN? Where, where do you uh, think Carl gets his sports news? Twitter. Rich Semini on uh, Twitter. I don't know if that's how you say his name or not. But okay, he, so, he breaks a lot of Jets stuff. So you think Carl was following uh, some of the Jets beat reporters on Twitter and got the alert? Got, gets an alert on his phone. He got an alert, right? He checked it. Yeah. I don't think he was just like eating lunch. Oh with yeah, his no. Well, I'm, I'm saying ESPN.com. I'm saying where does where does Carl get his alerts from? Do you think it's it's Twitter or this was a Bleacher Report alert? Who who breaks? So who breaks the news? The, Justin, can you have just like Bleacher Report like push out to your phone alerts? Is that a thing you can do? Absolutely, of course it is. I don't know. I'm old now. Is, I know Twitter does that. Bleach- I think it's Twitter. Okay, we'll say okay. Well, or maybe maybe. Maybe it's one of his friends texted him because he's old. That's a good point. That's a good point. Carl. But if Carl is so a member of this group of friends, then you'd think the other friends have gotten the text from the same person. So yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go Twitter. Yeah, we'll 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 say Twitter. I, I think I think what we find out is that Carl is such a diehard Jets fan that even with his advanced age and you know potential struggle with technology sorry to uh if that's uh ageism right there but um but uh i think because he's such a jets fan he would have figured out how to use twitter and how to get twitter alerts on his phone or at the very least maybe he would have uh you know had some sort of uh youthful acquaintance that could have put these alerts onto his phone fair enough anyways so (laughs) <laughs> so he gets this Twitter alert that says that Le'Veon Bell is out for the season, to which Carl starts going nuts in the middle of this restaurant with Jeff, uh, Larry, and uh, Jerry, and uh, and he's just all upset. He says the, well, season's, he's the over season's over before it even starts because Le'Veon Bell is out for the season. Did you have any uh, issues with that? His reaction that like the season was over. I, so, I had some issues. Like, I don't think... I mean, I think the season's over now. I don't think they're going to, like, be great. So I don't think I'd be like, if Le'Veon Bell got hurt, oh, my God, everything's terrible. This is not a Super Bowl team. And then also, like, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, come on. So so I think we need to discuss, was Le'Veon Bell the right choice? Well, uh, let's do. Let's finish our summary, and then we could do some uh, some questions that we had about the episode. Okay, so that's fair. So that's, that's the first... Uh, Jet reference in this episode. So then, a couple minutes later, we see uh, Larry and Leon in Larry's kitchen, and they are discussing uh, um, Carl's wife and her MV. Right. This is once again family-friendly podcast. If you really want to know more about the, you know, 
MV. You can watch, watch the episode yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hoping if you're listening to this, you've already seen the episode. But anyways, so they're talking about the MV. And as they're talking about this, Larry gets a phone call from Jeff. And Jeff informs Larry that Carl killed himself. Oh, uh, God. Larry, very, Larry, very upset that his good friend Carl has killed himself, asks Jeff, was there a suicide note? And... All Jeff says is that the suicide note says, I can't take any more disappointment. To which Larry says that his good friend Carl, who he always watches the Jet Games with. Always. Always <laughs> watches the Jet Game. Right. Yeah. Even though we've known, we've seen Larry David in this role for 20 years and we've never seen Carl before. And we've but, never uh, seen him watch a Jet Game either, I don't think. No. We, we have seen him at basketball games, but no, never at, never at Jet Games. Yeah, we've seen him at the Laker Games. We've seen him trip Shaquille O'Neal, but never... Uh, <laughs> That's well, a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh anyways, so um Larry from this uh I can't take any more disappointment suicide note surmises that Carl killed himself because of the Jets because when they would watch Jet games, he would always say, "I can't take any more disappointment." Well, uh, let's be more specific. So, we'll get into this in a little bit. But, like, he didn't kill himself just because of the Jets. He killed himself because Le'Veon Bell got injured. Well, that he killed himself because Le'Veon Bell got injured, and that was what put him over the top of um, yeah, suffering from his Jets I don't think that's necessarily fair fandom. to place on a real-life person, but we can, we can hash that out in a little bit. Yeah. Um, also important to note here, as this exchange is going on, Jeff said, who knew he was so tortured? Interesting choice of a... Uh, words considering we call ourselves the tortured trio podcast and we should and tell everybody that torture we, we should tell everyone that we're okay right now though right? yes we are okay we're okay we thought this episode was hysterical yes. um and then larry chimes in says wow the jets killed carl and a little bit of the knicks just perfect jab there at one of the other members of the terrible trio and it became a little prescient too because the Knicks had a really bad week after this episode aired. Like, a historically bad week. Unbelievable. Um, so then, after this, the next jet scene, they're at Carl's funeral, and Larry decides he's going to go and talk to uh, Carl's, um, Carl's uh, widowed wife, uh, played by Jane Krakowski, and uh, Lane goes, uh, Larry goes over, talks to her, and uh, she says to him, "Was uh, was Carl? You played golf with him right before he killed himself. Was did he seem upset about something?" And Larry said he was very upset about the Jets. To which Jane says, "The f- Jets. He loved them so much, and all they did was disappoint." <laughs> to which Larry responded, "We all do, and that's what happens. But to take it to this level, to which Jane says the Jets ruined their marriage." And says that one night he woke up and yelled Watson in the middle of his sleep <laughs> while Jane Krakowski, the MV, thought that maybe this was a Sherlock Holmes reference. Larry corrected her and said that uh, it was because he was so upset that the Jets passed on Deshaun Watson in the 2017 draft. Justin, we got to be careful with our language. She is not the MV. She has an MV. They didn't refer to her as the. She had one. Fair enough. And, and Jane okay. Krakowski is an Emmy-nominated actress, so uh, right. we, we wouldn't yes. want to, uh, you know, who yes. I'm sure, you know, was, who, hey, you know, good, good job by her taking this, uh, taking she's this uh, cameo. Oh, she, yeah. She's great in it. Uh, moving on, though. Um, the next Jet-related uh, scene, um, uh, Richard Lewis, oh my god, I just realized all episode I've been calling him Jerry Lewis. Sorry. He's not Jerry Richard, Lewis. Richard Lewis. Well, uh, anyways... <laughs> That's bad. Uh, Richard Lewis uh, picks up Larry in his new Bentley, and um, he gets a tap on a window from a guy in a mask and a gun, and he tells him to pop the trunk because he wants to steal Richard Lewis's golf clubs. Because he thinks Richard Lewis is cheating. Yes. So Larry jumps out of the car and sees that this isn't just a mask, it's a Jets mask. So uh, Larry says, oh... My friend killed himself because of the Jets, to which the robber said, the robber who's resorted himself to having to, you know, he's decided, I can only move on in life if I'm, you know, robbing people who drive around in Bentleys, says to Larry, he's better off. (laughs) (laughs) To which Larry responds, they're responsible for murder, they should put them all in prison. (laughs) Which is a great line. 
Finally, and then finally, the last Jet reference, Larry, who's trying to uh, move in on Jane Krakowski and her MV. Uh, there you go. Um, t- says, uh, brings up the Jets while he's at uh, Jane Krakowski's home. Um, says that all that uh, he hasn't enjoyed a season since 1969, except for maybe 98 when Parcells was the coach for a year. And then says that everything's disappointment and specifically refers to the Austin Safarian Jenkins play in uh, 2017 when um, uh, he had the ball. It appeared he had a touchdown and then the refs ruled he didn't have a touchdown and gave the Patriots uh, the ball at the uh, 20-yard line. Which, since I haven't really been watching much Jets since they've been absolutely terrible the last couple of years, I didn't even know it was a thing. So I just, we, just, we literally watched the video before uh, this podcast. Yeah, so that's an interesting that, choice for, uh, like, a problem play that upset him. I, I think he wanted to pick something recent. But um, let's, let's start back. The butt back fumble to, would be a way better choice. Uh, I think, okay. Well, let's, all right, we'll, we'll start okay. here. So you want to start here and move backwards? Sure. Okay. So, first off, Jet fans are really, really mad about this Austin Safari and Jenkins play, and they have been for the last three years uh, since this happened. And I think it was because um, it was like the NFL screwing the Jets against the Patriots, um, as opposed to like the Jets kind of screwing themselves. It was just one of these, you can't win, even when he has a touchdown, um... They can't win, and I think you know the butt fumble um, has become such a become such a joke. Uh, he didn't. I think you know Larry, as a true Jet fan, didn't want to you know you know add more fuel to the fire um, in regards to the butt fumble. I just when I think of the Jets the last ten years, that's what I think of. It's just how I think about them, right? They're they're terrible. They're pathetic. They're an embarrassment, and that's the butt fumble. I guess, but if you look at some of the references in the episode, I think he was trying to pick some, you know, specific things that would, whereas, yes, uh, the butt fumble became a national thing, but that was also a game where they were getting blown out and had no chance to win. Not if, at that moment, though. What was the score when I the butt remember. fumble happened? I, I didn't watch the Jets after I just remember that was a Thursday night game and the Jets got killed. This was yeah. this was a crucial, if I remember correctly, the Austin Safarian Jenkins play happens in the fourth quarter, and it was a play where if uh, the Jets get this touchdown, they almost definitely win this game. Well, and for what's it's worth, the Jets have not beaten the Patriots since this. They've lo- but, Yeah, but in, a, in an episode about how crushing the Jets are, to not have a butt fumble reference, like I just think that's a more famous moment than the Austin Safarian Jenkins play. Um, it, it, you're right. It's, it's absolutely more famous but if you're looking at something that would have... I think he wanted to go with something that actually cost the Jets a game. And the butt fumble did not cost the Jets a game. It was I just... Would, I would argue that it cost them, like, their chemistry and all confidence that they could do anything. And they've been terrible since that moment. Uh, I guess you could say that. I just... I don't know. I personally think... I mean, uh, I don't know. I think it's a very overrated moment. The butt fumble. It was just... It was just something that ESPN ran a million times because they thought it was funny and it happened on a uh, primetime night game. Um, whereas the Austin Safarian Jenkins thing, I mean, you watch the replay. The ball never hits the ground. It's unbelievable. At worst, they should have had the ball back at the one-yard line because you say, oh, he didn't have possession as he was... If you wanted to argue that he didn't have possession as he was crossing the goal line, I still don't understand how the Patriots end up with the football. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. He did recover it after. He didn't have the ball in like touching any part of his body when he crossed the goal, I know. But he had the ball before. So if you're saying, okay, so he fumbles the ball before... Because the thing is, once you, once you have the ball for a split second over the goal line, it's a touchdown. So that means they said, okay, he started bobbling the football before he got to the... Uh, before he got to the end zone. So if he got, um, so if they're saying he started bobbling before he got to the end zone, that means it's out of his hands before it hits the end zone, and they should get the ball at the one-yard line because the Patriots never recovered. But he recovered it in the end zone, so it still should be a touchdown. 
It still, yeah, it still should be a touchdown. Right. In theory, it's a fumble the moment he crosses the line, gets the ball back, jet touchdown. That I yeah. could go with. Yeah, it's just, but to give the, yeah, I, I don't understand how the Patriots now get the get the football in this instance at the 20. Doesn't make sense to me. All right, we should move on to uh, what we thought was the most important question of the episode. Why, okay. why, why Le'Veon Bell? Right. Do you want to throw out so, some of the other options they could have picked? So I think there's a couple couple of uh, reasons that uh, he went with Le'Veon Bell here. I think he won. Oh, you're defending even though this choice. even though this contradicts the Austin Safarian Jenkins example. Maybe he wanted to pick a uh, a player that was really well known. So if he wants to pick a player that's really well known, that most of that, at least anybody that watches football would know, there were really only two options here, and that's Le'Veon Bell. Or um, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Now he could have gone Jamal Adams, but I think you know, really only like big football fans would necessarily. Even though Jamal Adams is clearly their best player, um, I think a lot of like a lot of casual football fans may not necessarily know who Jamal Adams is. But you don't think their best players on their offensive line, where they currently don't have any players? Do they not have? Sorry, I'm just really stuck on their offensive line and the fact that there's no one on it right now. Come on, come on, let's let's let's, fo- let's sorry. focus. I'm sorry, this Justin. Is, this is I'm about sorry. the curb episode, not the Jets' uh, miserable offensive line. Okay. So okay, I think sorry. he wanted to pick a, um, I think he wanted to pick a player that uh, people would recognize, especially because by the end of the episode, you know that this is such a Jet-centric episode, so he throws in a specific example about Austin's Ferry and Jenkins. At the beginning of the episode, you have no idea that this is going to be such a Jet-centric episode. So I think he wanted to start it off with a recognizable player, which meant he had to go either Sam Darnold or Le'Veon Bell. And I think um, at this point, and you know, in this fantasy football world we live in, I think that A, Le'Veon Bell is a little bit more recognizable, and I think there's another. I think there's another genius factor here. I think that Larry David knew that this could that whatever player he picked could be a, there could be a kibosh on, and if something happens to this player, you know, the ESPN and the NFL Network is going to constantly talk about it. What did Larry David know back in March when he aired this episode? So you think that by picking Le'Veon Bell, he thought he may be cursing him, and he would rather have Le'Veon Bell out for the season than Sam Darnold or Jamal Adams? 100%. Do you think he was trying to minimize the damage of his episode? 100%. That's brilliant. That was absolutely part of the thought process here. I can't risk putting the kibosh on Sam Darnold or Jamal Adams. They're way too important. And Le'Veon Bell wasn't great last season, and if you know, it wouldn't be as detrimental if something happened to Le'Veon Bell as it would be to Sam Darnold. So that was my problem with the pick. Like if Le'Veon Bell got hurt, I mean, whatever. It's a running back. Like if Sam Darnold went down, that would just be it. As we saw last year, where they couldn't find anyone to throw the ball and they lost all their games by like a hundred points when he was out with mono. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. You should. So uh, you I, should post that on the Twitter. I think you'd go viral. That's how that works, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I got um, it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, or, look into and, that. yeah. Unfortunately, Carl won't be able to see it because right, because uh, he's dead. You know, yeah, because <laughs> because he's such an avid, but he was an avid Twitter user. Did you think it was kind of mean to pick like a real person? I I, I was like I felt bad for Levy on Bell. Like he seems, uh, I mean, he's yeah, been a, was, he's been know, attacked by I, the I think Jets that's organization. I mean, His coach doesn't want him to be on the team. Doesn't seem like the GM wants to be him be have him be on the team. Like. And all the, the year, Le'Veon was, like, Bell took the high stuff. road. Right, the team was like leaking stuff, like when he was hurt to try to undermine him. And then here's Larry David throwing him under the bus, saying he's going to get hurt and it's going to ruin their season. And like someone killed himself because he got hurt. It's kind of mean. Like leave Le'Veon alone. Yeah, I know the guy just likes to you know play football and smoke weed. Yeah, he, I mean he likes money. Like he sat out a season to try to maximize his next contract. But like to each his own. Like he seems like a, a pretty good teammate, and he. Works hard. Like, why is everyone so mean to Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, I mean, his what teammates all really lo- lo- liked him last year. Yeah, make the episode Nobody on about... the team had anything bad to say about him. Yeah, the episode should have been something terrible that happened to Adam Gase. That guy seems terrible, right? Like, leave yeah. Le'Veon alone. If you're going to curse someone on the team, curse the coach. That guy's So you think, awful. like, if um something had happened to Adam... So you think it... But the problem is, is that... um. 
if something ha so if they had chosen something to happen to Adam Gase, um, that'd probably be a good thing. They could have got, I mean, would, would Greg Williams have been the choice? Like, oh, if something happens to their defensive coordinator, the uh, season's yeah. over? Or that's, that's, that's too far of a stretch? That's too, like, specific. Like, that's going to go over people over people's heads. Oh, no, they lost their defensive coordinator. Like, I bet a lot of people listening don't even know what a defensive coordinator is. I think you could argue Greg Williams is probably, like, in real terms, Greg Williams could be more important than Adam Gase. Maybe, but he's not more famous than Le'Veon Bell. No, he, uh, he's not more famous than Le'Veon Bell. All right, let's, we're, we're get. oh, this does lead to one more, uh, Question. So, since we're talking about this, and since this was the topic, me and you actually had a fantasy trade last year that involved Le'Veon Bell. That's true. I got rid of him as fast as I possibly could. Yeah. I won't, I won't go into our fantasy league too long right now, but um, last month we recorded a fantasy podcast where we projected keepers for next year, and I said that I was probably keeping Le'Veon. I don't know if I can keep him now. Interesting. Well, you don't really have any other choices because your, your bench is pretty uh, short there, I buddy. DJ Moore. Ugh. Ugh. Dude, who's their top ten projected wide receiver for next year? That's not true. In what, what? universe? What? What? What list? Okay, most go, of the that's not true. All right, let's okay. not let's not get into fantasy I, right now. That I was more agree. just. I, I don't know if I can keep Le'Veon Bell because Larry has put the kibosh on twenty rankings. I'm I DJ Moore's a top ten wide receiver next year. What are you talking about? In what universe? Top ten wide receiver the last like half of the season last year. No. And it seems like they're going to bring Cam Newton back. Okay, he'll play four games. He's been well, so yeah. accurate. All right. I'm looking at 2020 fantasy football rankings because I think you're crazy. Oh, DJ Moore is like a top ten guy. No, maybe top twenty. Keep talking. This is going to get boring. This, this is bad podcast. No, is, it's This not. is great podcast. No, we're having an <laughs> argument. It's great podcasting. 2020 rankings. All right. You said top, top 10 overall or top 10 wide receiver? Top 10 receiver. Okay, I'm going to say he's going to be 18th. These are consensus rankings. Okay. Hold on. It's, it's slow. I'm using basement Wi-Fi. Ah, oh, damn it. All right, let's, all right, let's, all let's right. move on I, while I you're looking up. Justin, this is supposed to be about Curb Your Enthusiasm, Justin, and now we've gone on to a tangent about DJ Moore. Tenth. What? Tenth. What? He's tenth. Okay, so like I said, top ten. Fine, you're right. I didn't say top five. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> so moving on. So the next uh, moment where they uh, talk about the... Um, so I think just one thing to, to note, perfect, perfect uh, jab when he uh, throws the Nixon, when uh, he says to, um, says to Jeff... Uh, the Jets killed him. And maybe a little the, the Jets killed him, contributed a little bit. Yeah. Just, I don't think there's much more to say there, except uh, just, ve- just very, very uh, fitting. Although we could say, who do you think's killed the most people, the Jets, the Mets, or the Knicks? I actually think it's the Mets. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. Well, yeah. I, well, I so the so Knicks too. don't really have any, like, heartbreaking moments that I remember. Like, they lost to the Spurs in 99, but did you think they were going to beat the Spurs? Like, I don't think anyone thought they were going to beat the Spurs. They went in as, like, no. overwhelmed no one thought. Underdogs. No one thought they were, no one thought they were, um, you know, beating those Bulls teams back in the 90s. Um, well, I don't even remember those. I was too young. So I'm thinking, like, stuff, like, we focus on, we were born in 1986, and, no, we were both born in 1987, we focus on things that happened post, you know, 86 um, that we remember. Um, so yeah, so I would say I don't remember those early Nick teams that you know played hard against the Bulls, um, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think. Well, I think for people. I mean, well, the thing is though, if we're talking about who's killed the most people, we have to then t- think about um, you know people ahead of our uh, age demographic and the Mets. Oh, that's I mean, the Mets true because just... we shouldn't just focus on us because we want to talk about in the aggregate who's killed more people. Fair enough. Yeah. So who's so had more heartbreaking I, losses? So the Mets are like the reason, again, to I don't heart think it's Mets. Like they always like lose in these horrible moments. Yeah, and also just the way baseball is is that you're always on the you know it's just a more edge of your seat kind of sport than basketball and uh, football, especially when you get to the playoffs. That being said, though, the Mets have been in the playoffs so infrequently in their history. They haven't had as many, but then again, some of the heartbreak has stemmed from the seasons where they haven't made the playoffs, like 07 and 08, where they missed the playoffs on the, the last, last day of the day. season. Yeah. 
having four um, blows. 06 was slate. brutal. 2015 was brutal. They had four the 2016 blows wild card World loss Series. was brutal. Losing to the Yankees was brutal. Actually, yeah, I think it's the Mets. Well, think Losing about- to the Braves in 99 was brutal. People forget. This one sort of gets forgotten. In 98, the Mets lost their last uh, five games of the season. That was the first year Piazza was there. They lost their last five games of the season and missed out on the wild card by one game. People kind of forget about that one because they had two good seasons after that in 99 and 2000, but that happened. Well, think about all those familiar blown saves in the World Series. Like, each one of those may have knocked some people off. Yeah. And then, you know, they lose that heartbreaker a year later in the wild card game. Uh, yeah. I, they I, I, always yeah, break your hearts. Yeah, all those Benitez, all those Benitez games. Every between Benitez game in two thousand one. We could add, we could make this out of four, right? So who's killed more people, the Jets, the Mets, the Knicks, or Armando Benitez? And it might be Armando Benitez. It might be Armando Benitez. It really might be. Yeah, I mean he. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on. All right, so the, so the the vote is the Mets. And, spe- Although, and more particularly, even though Armando even though Benitez. the franchise is in the best situation currently. Um, in the aggregate, yeah, I think it's the Mets. Right, because the Jets and Knicks are so bad, they don't really end up in these big moments to, to break your heart. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you want to take this even a step further, so going way, way back, 1957, um, uh, the Giants and Dodgers leave New York City to go play out in California. And then five years later in 1962... The Mets come in, so all of a sudden the National League baseball fans of New York City have a team to root for. They're so excited, and all of a sudden then they're absolutely miserable for the first, like, seven years of their existence. Yep. Um, I was also going to say with the Jets, they had those three AFC Championship games that you and I remember, but they were such big underdogs in all those games. Um, right. I, didn't, I, I think didn't ex- that's fair. I didn't well, I think in '98 and '09 they were. In 2010, I thought they were going to beat Pittsburgh. I remember being really, really upset by that one. Yeah, I didn't, and they haven't played in a playoff game since. I just never thought that Sanchez was any good, so I was always just surprised that they were winning in the playoffs. I never thought they were going to make the Super Bowl. I don't know. I I think in 2010 though, you thought though, like after beating Peyton Manning yeah. and the Colts in Indy, and then beating Brady and the Pats in New England, they were going to go and win in Pittsburgh. It just felt like it was going to happen. You, it was their year. You felt in your bones that the Jets were going to make a Super Bowl? That year. Uh, the, the closest... I mean, did you think they were, did you think they were going to go and beat the Patriots in New England the week before? No. I, uh, I, I watched that on like tape delay, and I was just shocked. I kept waiting for the hammer to drop. Like, wait, when are they going to start losing? Wait, wait, they're going to win? What? <laughs> I mean, that was the best Jet moment of our lifetimes. I like the 98 team a lot, which is actually involved in the episode pretty uh, prominently. Yeah, all right, let's move on. Right. So the next, uh, the next uh, moment where they talk about the Jets in this episode is uh, at the funeral, um, and most specifically where um, Jane, or Jane uh, Krakowski says to Larry, he was screaming Watson in his sleep. Was this a Sherlock Holmes reference? Yeah, that was funny. And... Right? Uh, and uh, he says, no, it's because uh, the Jets passed on Deshaun Watson um, in the 2017 draft. Now, this leads to a couple of uh, questions. A, first, uh, why, why Watson and not Mahomes? Mahomes after seems Mahomes like just the more obvious choice. Um, who, but ma- the only thing I'd say is Watson was picked before Mahomes in that draft. So maybe... No, Mahomes was oh, picked Mahomes first. Oh, Mahomes was picked first? So yeah, there's no reason... Now, the Jets could have had either. So there's so, no reason they didn't pick Mahomes. So it probably should have been Mahomes. Well, this is the only thing I could think of, is that Larry really liked the idea of the Sherlock Holmes joke. Mm. And the thing is, Mahomes, Mahomes has such a specific name that everybody would have known what she was talking about. You probably figured whereas that out. Whereas Watson was a little more inconspicuous. You got it. I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, why Watson? I think that, so I think that has to be to it. to Deshaun Watson. Like, how many people know who he is who are, like, casual? Yeah, the, yeah. So, for the record, the Jets could have had either. So, the Jets, but this leads to the other question, is this fair? So, with the sixth pick in the 2017 draft, the Jets drafted Jamal Adams, who is unquestionably their best player. He was an all-pro safety last year. I mean, the guy is... I mean, you could certainly make the argument the guy's the best safety in the world. So it's not like the Jets screwed up in the sense that 
they didn't get a great player in that draft. Because there's so many other drafts we can point to where the Jets just picked awful players. I just don't agree with... Who were not any good. I don't agree with that analysis. Like, Deshaun Watson or Mahomes would change, like, the course of the franchise forever. Like, Jamal Adams is great, but he's not winning you Super Bowls by himself. That's... I think you could surround Patrick Mahomes with nobody, and he would win a Super Bowl. Potentially. I I think that's fair. And Deshaun Watson's been in the playoffs every year. I mean, he hasn't done what Mahomes has done, but he's been in the playoffs every year he's been healthy. Right, and we know that uh, their coach slash GM isn't doing uh, Deshaun Watson any favors. He tries to seem to, he, he seemingly tries to lose as many games as he possibly can by giving away all of his first round picks and calling terrible plays. So yeah. he, he's yeah. doing as much the as he Texans can. Had, yeah, I mean, the Texans had no business winning that Buffalo playoff game this past year. No, it seemed that like was, their coach was actually... Deshaun Watson willed them to that win. Bill O'Brien was actively trying to lose that game as much as he yeah. could. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that I think that's our answer. Yeah, that was really smart. Um, good, you've had a couple of good takes today. Right? <laughs> that it was about yeah. the Sherlock Holmes joke. That was great. Yeah, um, I did have a thought that he could have done Allen for uh, Josh for uh, the uh, Josh Allen of the Jaguars, who the because last year you know the Jets um, took Quentin Williams over Josh Allen, and Josh Allen was incredible, and at the time so many people wanted them to take Josh Allen. Um, or do you think that's just too specific and? Uh, it doesn't work because it's a defensive uh, line. I don't think too many people know who Josh Allen is. Like, think about like a casual fan; they might know who Deshaun Watson is. I'm not sure that they all would, but I don't think a lot of people know Josh Allen unless they're like pretty intense. Yeah. Although it would have been funny because, of course, this past week, uh, Quentin Williams gets arrested at LaGuardia Airport for having a gun in his. Oh, uh, uh, we'll get there. Um, Allen also lends itself to a lot more jokes. Like, there's a lot of people named Allen. Like, you could have done something with that. Fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, he's not the only Josh Allen. I mean, there's another Josh Allen who plays quarterback in the Jets division. Yeah, when you we talked before our podcast, you're like, when was if he screams Allen? I'm like, Josh Allen? You wanted the Jets to take him over Sam Darnold? It took me a second to realize where you're going with that. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, although, yeah, and that would have been really, but, yeah. And the Jets just missed such an opportunity. The Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. Yeah, that would have been great. Could have been so much fun. Yeah, that might still Anyways. happen at some point. Yeah, well. Right. When the Jaguars play the Bills? Yeah. I mean, they're going to probably pay. But, I mean, it'd be fun to say Allen sack, Josh Allen sack Josh Allen. I guess. Anyways, let's move on. I um, think this is actually the thing I'm most excited to talk about because I feel like so frequently lately people are talking about the players the Knicks just missed on. So our next question is, if they picked a Nick for him to yell in his sleep, what Nick would it have been? Like, what Nick, what almost Nick is the most disappointing to us? So I think there's two ways of looking at this. So if you use the example they use, so the way they decided to use it was they used it as a player that the Jets passed on. Right. So, But that's not as much fun as people, the Knicks, came very close to getting. I agree. So... So we, we've, we've thought about four options. So if we're going with the first uh, way where who is the player the Jets, I'm sorry, the Knicks passed on, I, it's got to be either Ron Artest or Donovan Mitchell. You, which one do you think? Because I know which one I think. I, I would go Artest only because Donovan Mitchell, I mean, it's easy to say now they should have taken Donovan Mitchell, but that wasn't like such a slam dunk. Ron Artest, going back to the 90s, they took Frederick Weiss over Ron Artest. Everybody knew Ron, what a Ron Artest was going to be. He was going to be a really good defensive player for a long time in the league. And the guy played at St. John's. Everyone wanted to keep him here in New York. Um, it was such a boneheaded thing when it happened. So if we're going for the player they passed on, it's Artest. Or, you know, they could have made a really funny joke with that one because he could have just yelled out world peace. That would have been really like, funny. Why was he always yelling world peace? Was it because he wanted world peace? Because he was so upset by his teams? It's like, no, it's because they passed on that world peace. So here's peace. why I think you're pretty clearly wrong, but um, they could have had Ron Artest like a hundred times in his career. They could have brought him to the garden. Well, it was more... Uh, right? So it doesn't okay. torture Which the Which is fans. why I think, though, the other way it works better but, because I think more... Because with the NBA... And with the Knicks, I think, again, you talk about it's the players that they just missed well, on. I don't, don't move on yet. Because they were uh, taken before Hold them. Hold on. But Donovan Mitchell potentially would have changed their team. He's probably never – if he's a free agent, he's going to get multiple huge offers, right? Donovan Mitchell is an all-star. Like, the team would have been different now if they had him. And I think that's similar with Deshaun Watson. Like, if they drafted Watson, the Jets would be probably a lot better. Um, and Mitchell, I think – Oh, so you're saying you, you should that you think Donovan Mitchell is the better example than Ron Artest. Definitely. A hundred percent. The Knicks could have gotten peak Ron Artest, probably not with that much difficulty. 
there's no way the Knicks could get peak Donovan Mitchell. He's not. He's not gonna. Utah's not gonna trade him um, unless they get a huge package because they know he's leaving in free agency, right? The, the Knicks, the That's Jets fair. aren't getting Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's never leaving Houston. They're gonna give him as much money as he, as he wants. Um, That's fair. So, Definitely yeah. fair. Uh, but w- the more fun okay. thing is like what Nick. Did they almost get that? Like tortures the fan base. Like they wake up like thinking about. So this. so you put a so you so you threw out here uh, either Steph Curry or Zion Williamson. I think it's those two. Like I have nightmares. It's about. Steph Curry. You do the Curry. It's got to be do Steph. Curry. I'll do Zion. All right. So Curry, he's a two-time MVP, a three-time NBA champion. The guy is the best three-point shooter in the history of the league by all accounts. Uh, back in the two thousand nine draft. Um, the Knicks had the eighth pick. They were going to take Curry. Golden State takes him with the seventh pick. Um, I, I think it's Curry. You know, they were so close to getting him. He almost fell into their laps. Uh, and and I think what made that even worse was, you know, if you remember that year, Minnesota took two point guards, and neither of them were Steph Curry. And you and I were texting. So it was like, oh, my God, we're going to get we, him. We both wanted and Curry. And then Golden State takes him one pick. That was one of the times where we were actually right. I can't believe how late you know, he lasted. You're all over Curry. Like, this guy's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're right, though. Uh, so, we actually have been talking about Steph Curry on our, uh, our thread with our friends, and we all seem kind of happy that he wasn't a Nick because we don't think he would have been very good as a Nick. He probably would be out of the league. Like, his ankles would have ruined him. The Steph Curry that got drafted to the Knicks is not point. the Steph Curry that won those MVP awards and won titles. Like, he doesn't win titles with the Knicks. The Knicks would have ruined Steph Curry. Yeah, we like, that's a good point. We like him, right? While Zion, like, we thought we were getting Zion. Like, we thought, like, this was our time. We've been bad for so long. The NBA was going to fix the draft. Like, Zion to New York seemed like a done deal. And then we didn't get him. And he seems like the real deal. And he may have been idiot proof. Like, he just jumps so high and does all these things so well. Like, I don't – I mean, he also has the injury but, risks. But it's not like Curry where you, you had a franchise that was so on top of – you know, sports science at the time, they kind of fixed him. Like, now, like, I think all teams have access to pretty good yeah. um, injury prevention, you know, stuff. So, I think it, I think it's Zion. Yeah. Um, but, but then again, though, if we're saying that with the, uh, because if we're talking the injury factor here um, with uh, Steph Curry, then maybe Zion's not a good choice either because you know the Knicks would have tried to rush him back this year if uh, he was on the team after he got injured. Yeah, but guys, like, they have their own, like, sports medicine staffs now. Like, all these guys have their own trainers. Like, I feel like maybe he would have been able to protect himself better from the incompetence of the Knicks than Curry would have been, you know, 10 years ago. Or maybe John Morant's the better example here. Yeah, but we're thinking about people who are famous. Like, once again, like, I think everyone knows who Steph Curry is. I think everyone who knows who Zion is. I think most casual That's NBA fans point. know who John Moran is, but I don't think everyone in the universe does. Like, everyone in the universe knows who Zion Williamson That's, is. And everyone knows That's who a good Steph point. Curry is. My, my wife, who doesn't knows nothing about basketball, knows who Zion Williamson is. She has no idea who John Moran is. Good point. Yeah, um, and one other thing, to go back to your earlier point, lots of funny jokes with this guy screaming Curry in the middle of his sleep. All right, Justin, so if they had picked a Mets player who got hurt who would have ended the Mets season, which player do you think they would have picked? Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, well, here, you were clearly thinking about it, so you give me your answer first. I'll think about this for a second. I don't have a clear answer, so I'm down to DeGrom or Alonzo. So I think DeGrom's more famous because he has you know, back-to-back Cy Youngs. He's probably a better player than Alonzo. Um, but I think the Mets could survive the loss of DeGrom maybe a little better than the loss of Alonzo. I don't know, it's close. They probably go with DeGrom just because he's, you know, maybe more famous for people who know who he is. Um, I'm actually going to go the other way. I think uh, I think he would have picked Alonzo. Um, I think I think Alonzo is the bigger personality, kind of like how Le'Veon Bell is the bigger personality over uh, Sam Darnold. And um, so I think, and you know, I mean, Pete Alonzo won the uh, home run derby last year. Kids like home runs. Uh, you know, you go to City Field, and I mean, I guess I guess that, that's not fair. Everybody wears Degrom and Alonzo stuff, but um, but uh, I actually I, I think there's a third option. Um, oh, want to say it on three because I think it's the same person who I'm thinking of right now. Okay, 
One, two, three. Cesspits. No, it's Centigard. Ah, okay. You go first, and I'll go. Wait, okay, so I think part of the reason he picked Le'Veon Bell is because he wanted to put the kibosh on a player where if they really got hurt, uh, it wouldn't necessarily ruin their season. I think DeGrom and Alonzo are both too good to potentially put in that joke. And Noah Syndergaard's still really well-known. But, well, but and he gets hurt a lot anyway. Cespedes has so many funny joke possibilities. Like, he's attacked by a boar, and, it, you know, the, the tusks went through his legs, and he can't walk anymore. I mean, there's just there's so many things. Like, he got hit with a golf ball and has a concussion and is, can't get out of the concussion protocol. Like, there's so many options you could have done. That would have been pretty funny with Cespedes. Yes, but he hasn't really been on the team, and he's not going to – I think, I think it, he wanted to make it, like – Okay, so if you found out Le'Veon Bell was going to be out for the season, I don't know if it's something where it would make you want to kill yourself, but um, it, it's certainly something that would be upsetting. If you found out tomorrow that Cespedes is out for the season, it's like, okay, okay, whatever. Okay, whatever. I think, that's, I think that's why Cespedes can't be the choice, even though there are a lot of really great joke opportunities. Okay, let's... Uh, let's then again, going. though, then again, though, Larry David, if you go back to his, when he wrote Seinfeld and his Seinfeld days, he does love coming up with uh, ridiculous reasons for wanting to kill yourself. Because uh, one thing that this did make me recall was uh, the famous Seinfeld episode where uh, Newman's trying to get out of a uh, traffic ticket. And uh, so uh, he comes up with a cockamamie story that uh, he was speeding because he had to get home because uh, Kramer called him saying that he wanted to kill himself. And the reasoning for wanting to kill himself was because he never became a banker. Mm. Not to so, make light, not to make light of suicide, but Larry David is, and we're just we're just commenting on it. So, yeah. So I mean, this is something that uh, I mean, going back to the '90s, that uh, Larry David has been throwing into both Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. All right, we should we should keep things moving. We're at the 45 minute mark. Um, Okay, so the next question, so one of the lines he says to uh, Jane Krakowski at the end of the episode is that uh, he hasn't had an enjoyable, so we find out again in this episode that Larry is a diehard Jets fan as as well, who always watched the games with Carl, (laughs) and Larry says he hasn't had an enjoyable season since 1969, except maybe 1998 when Parcells was the coach. What I want to ask is, is he actually being too hard on the Jets here in saying that He's only had one enjoyable season in the last 50 years. Yeah, I would, I would say yes. I mean, he mentioned 98, and that's my all-time favorite Jets team. Um, that's fair. But they, they did make it to two AFC championship games after 1998, so those were definitely enjoyable yeah. seasons. They were really fun. Yeah, and they, made, and they made the playoffs. I looked it up. They made it six times after that. Uh, so, yeah, from 2000 to 2009, they made the playoffs six times in ten years. Um, so, I mean, they clearly had some years there. I mean, they had some good playoff victories. Um, and 2010 especially. 2009, if you go back, that was sort of a frustrating season because where, if you remember, the AFC title run kind of came out of nowhere. Like, that was a team that was 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, If you remember, they had that game against the Colts where um, the Colts decided to rest everybody because they didn't want the pressure of having a 16-0 and season. Mm. Then the Jets win that. So the Jets beat the Colts when they rest everybody. They win in Week 17. They back into the playoffs at nine and seven, and then they sort of get hot for two weeks and end up in the title game. Whereas 2010, they were 11 and five. We knew the whole year they were going to the playoffs. They have the huge win over Peyton Manning in the Colts and Wild Card Weekend. They have the huge win in New England uh, over the Pats. Like 2010 was a truly enjoyable season. You know they've had other moments. The 04 team. Uh, that uh, beat the Chargers in the playoffs was a good team. Um, they had the year where they beat the Colts in the playoffs, forty-one nothing. I think that was two thousand two. Um, you know they had the year where they uh, they made the playoffs on the John Hall field goal at the end yeah. of uh, week seventeen. So I mean, they, they were had really some decent years. They were really fun to watch with Pennington as the quarterback. Um, so yeah. my question was like, is Larry David a true Jets fan, or was he just trying to write a, a fun a funny episode like? He seems to he left a lot of stuff out. We had a lot of questions to ask about his decisions. Like I think this is unjustifiable to say that there's only been one enjoyable season since 1969. Yeah, I think I think it was more that 
uh, he had just uh, gotten into a fight. And let's remember, he didn't get a chance. Yeah. So at this point, even though Larry sabotages it by asking Jane Krakowski for uh, $500. $500 because uh, her, uh, her now dead husband um, won $500 from him on false pretenses. Right. He didn't get to hook up with uh, Jane Krakowski. And he missed out on seeing the MV. Yes. So, uh, um, you know, I can understand he was upset. And I think, you know, leaving in that rage, um, it was very easy for him to just say that uh, he hasn't had an enjoyable season since Oh, you don't think he was... He don't think he was of sound mind because he was so upset at the moment. Yes. Got because La- I don't think Larry thought he was sabotaging his uh, chances there. Yeah, which... And I, mean, I think... The viewers... And I think then striking out that... I think... Yeah, I think being that close and then striking out... Because we've seen this many times over the history of Curb, where he's so he's he's so close to, uh, you know, having these intimate moments, and he screws himself over um, at the end. I mean, if you... You know, I mean, one that comes to mind is uh, when he's about to get back with Cheryl, and uh, she... Uh, puts a coffee, you know, she puts a coffee cup down without uh, putting a coaster, and then she walks out on him. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, Larry's mind, part of his genius, his mind is always racing. And, you know, unfortunately for him, you know, it's, it's cost him uh, some of these opportunities. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think uh, we got some other relevant business for our teams to discuss before we, we close up shop. But that, that uh, concludes our discussion of uh, what was a wonderful episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. We hope you enjoyed our recap of the epic jet-centric episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, the ugly section. If you're still listening, though, uh, we have to go through our Week 9 NFL picks. Uh, Last week in Week 8, Adam and I disagreed on all four, and not a great week for you, Adam. No, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I went zero four. I don't usually do that. I Actually, I've done that once before, didn't I? Yeah, but it was, but at least that. Then I also went four and zero. But the other week when you went zero and four, I, I think I went one and three. This was bad because I went yeah. four and zero, and you went zero and four. So you got some catch up to. Was that good? So you got some catch up to do for the season. I'm now sixteen, fourteen and two. You're twelve, eighteen and two. But uh, at least you won uh, the prop bet we made last week. Yes, I've been doing very well on our prop bets, so that's one thing I can feel good about. Yeah, I. After uh, recording last week's pod, I realized it was probably a little ridiculous to think that Le'Veon Bell was going to get 120 total yards, but I, I really did truly believe he would get at least one touch in the fourth quarter. But you, you nailed that; he did not. Why? I mean, why? The Chiefs don't care about the Jets, and Le'Veon Bell probably doesn't either. He's on a new team; he's getting his money and then some, and like. The Jets are not anything that they needed to worry about. So yeah, I, don't, I, guess. I don't really think that this was the big revenge game that people made it out to be. Uh, clearly, I mean, clearly not, because he he was not overly involved in this game. But anyways, uh... there isn't the only the only team that sees the Jets as a competitor is probably the Jaguars right now, and that's for who can be worse. Yeah, and that and uh, if you're still and that will be one of the games that we are going to pick this week. But first. As we always do, we pick the Jets game first. So the Jets, oh God, this is this is an ugly Monday night game for ESPN. The New England Patri- the two and five <laughs> New England Patriots at the zero and eight New York Jets. Uh, New England's favored by seven. Um, I- I'm taking the Patriots in this one. The Jets are one of the worst football teams I've ever seen. Uh, it doesn't appear that Sam Darnold's going to play. He's getting his shoulder re-looked at. Last I heard he was going to try to play through it. But the Jets have the bye the week after this, so even if he's feeling goodish, I I just can't imagine the Jets are going to put him in this spot here when they can give him two weeks of rest with the bye the week after. Not to mention, I I just feel like, out of decency, keep Sam Darnold away from this game. Last year, the Jets played the Patriots on Monday Night Football. That was the famous ghost game. And you know ESPN is going to bring it up a million times. They'll bring it up two million times if Sam Darnold's playing. They'll bring it up a million times if he doesn't. Uh, also, I just don't. I think Douglas doesn't want to mess around. He knows this team might have to go zero sixteen to get the first pick, and uh, at least with Sam Darnold, like two weeks ago against Buffalo, they were in the game. Uh, from what we've seen from Joe Flacco, there seems like there's a zero percent chance of them ever winning a game with Joe Flacco a quarterback. You know what? You know what's not keeping me up at night right now. What? 
the Jets beating anybody, <laughs> in particular the New England Patriots. I don't, I don't. If people in that organization are worried about losing, I don't think they need to be. But I guess the question then is, with a seven-point line, so the Jets they're they're zero and eight. They're one and seven against the spread. Uh, do they cover a seven-point spread against the Patriots next week or this week? I don't understand why this is only seven. <laughs> um, I just, I just don't. You just, I would a competent team against the Jets should be ten, right? And New England's 100%. competent. They're not the. They're not one of the worst three or four teams in the league. Not at all. What do you think the line would be against the Giants? The Giants would be favored by three or four. Yeah. So the the Pats are only favored by seven. That seems kind of silly. To it me. it so does. I'm taking, I'm taking the Pats. Yeah. I, I think this is just people uh, reveling in the fact that the Patriots aren't very good. But I mean, the Patriots last week. I mean, if Cam Newton doesn't fumble that football at the end of that game against Buffalo, at a minimum, they kick a field goal and send that game into overtime. And and Buffalo only has two losses on the season. So, I mean, New England very easily could have won that. Yeah, I, I don't understand why this isn't bigger. This feels like a spot where New England, who's lost, is already, was only 2-5, and five, wants to get right. And I see them easily winning this game by more than seven points. So, yeah, me and you in agreement here. New England minus seven. Uh, it doesn't help me catch up. <laughs> no. Uh, we'll see, though, what happens with the rest of these games. So second game, uh, let's talk about those Buffalo Bills. Uh, they are home to the Seattle Seahawks this week. Seattle, this is a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. I guess relevant because West Coast team coming east for a 1 o'clock game. Seattle is favored by 3 on the road. Uh, I'll, I'll go first, so this way, uh, if you want to try and catch up, you can go the other way. Uh, I'm taking Seattle minus 3. Uh, I, I know Buffalo is five and two, but I, I feel or six and two, whatever they are. I know they only have two losses, but I feel like they haven't looked great. Uh, they were fortunate to beat the Pats last week. Um, they didn't cover against the Jets two weeks ago. Uh, the refs bailed them out in that Rams game a few weeks back. Seattle's a really, really good football team, and uh, I, you know, I mean, Buffalo—they're not going to have fans in the stands. Uh, I'm taking Seattle minus three. I'm taking Seattle, too. I think if both teams are fully healthy, it would I maybe go with the Bills, but the Bills' defense has been a little beat up, and we've seen what those Seattle wide receivers can do to anybody and throw two depleted cornerbacks at them, and I think Seattle's going to run the score up. So I'm also going to take Seattle. Once again, not helping me catch up, but I don't lie. i got to be true to my instincts. I'm taking Seattle. Fair enough. We, we, and we still have a lot of weeks left to uh, <laughs> for you to make up some games. All right, third game. Uh, the Miami Dolphins at the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona favored by five in this one. I am going with Miami. Uh, I thought Miami looked awesome last week. I mean, Tua didn't even have to do much. Uh, Miami's defense just dominated that game. And Miami, for what it's worth, has looked great against this NFC West division. Uh, I think they keep it up here. Um, I also love the fact that it's five because uh, – I think these are, you know, two maybe pretty evenly matched football teams, and uh, Miami could lose this game by three or four points, and you still win the bet. So I'm taking the Dolphins plus five. Yeah, I think this line was four, and I think it's moved. So I initially taken Arizona because that they're going to run the score up at five. I'm I'm taking Miami. All right. So, I think they cover. All right. So we're we're fully in agreement so far. And the final game we have to talk about this and. With the Jets being 0-8. Not that we want to talk about it. But we have to. We're a Jets podcast. Right. Like, nobody cares about this game. <laughs> Except Jets fans. Right. That's true. <laughs> That's why we'll talk about it. And that game is uh, the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. The Houston Texans are favored by 3 at the Jaguars. Uh, I'm taking Houston in this one. I don't love taking a team with only one win Uh getting point of as a favorite on the road but i feel like i have to houston has at least been competitive this year jacksonville for the since their bizarre week one win against the colts they for the most part haven't been competitive i don't think gardner Minshew is going to play in this game so jacksonville's on a backup quarterback uh and the other big thing about this game between two one win teams is well besides the fact that one of them has to win a second game helping the Jets in case the Jets were to stumble into a win later this year. Houston doesn't have their own first-round pick. Uh, The Miami Dolphins get Houston's first-round pick this year. So Houston doesn't have an incentive to tank. Like, I I just, I I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Houston. We're we're agreeing. I just, I have nothing to add. Houston's a better team than Jacksonville. Uh, I'd just rather have, I'll just take Deshaun Watson over. I don't know who's starting. Is it Mike Lennon? I just. Is it Mike Lennon? Is that where he landed? 
I guess he stayed in the state of Florida. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out. Maybe it's Nathan Peterman. Actually, I don't think it's Nathan <laughs> Peterman. Um, yeah, I have nothing to add. Who cares? I, I think Houston wins. I think the line should be more than three, but I guess with Houston only have one win, if a team is that bad, you, I guess, I have no idea what I'm saying. I just, this seems like a weird line to me. Yeah, which which means Jacksonville probably figures out a way to cover, but I, I'm I'm not picking it. Uh, so the, we're in agreement on all four of these. So Adam gonna take his shots in some future weeks to try and catch up. Uh, as we both took New England minus seven at the Jets, Seattle minus three at Buffalo, Miami plus three at Arizona, and Houston minus three at Jacksonville. It means we're not going four zero because I highly doubt uh, the road team ends up winning all four of these bets. But we'll see what That's happens. A good point. And maybe there was some opportunities for me to catch up that I missed on. But last night was the election. I was up pretty late. I don't know if I'm operating 100%. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. So, again, uh, we hope you enjoyed our recap of the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, the ugly section. Uh, if you don't already follow us on Twitter and Instagram, follow us at bornin87pod. Let us know how we're doing, bornin87pod at gmail.com, and visit our website, bornin87.com. We hope you enjoyed this. Adam, anything else to add? No, I'm going to go to sleep. (laughs) All right. Have a good one, everyone.